All right, good morning. That's a good word from Thad. I'd just like to say uh, in, uh, in encouragement of what he said that, uh, that that Parent Q app, I have it on my phone. I've got this Parent Q app, and uh, it's great. It doesn't matter what age your kids are. I mean, they're mostly for living at home, you know, so I guess it does matter if you've got great-grandchildren, you know. But, hey, put your great-grandchildren in here, and uh, you enter their ages, and it gives you reminders of wh- how you ought to invest in your kids at that particular age and state. This is worth getting. It's free and uh, takes just a few minutes to get set up, and it's is just a great tool for you to have. So I'd encourage you, even as grandparents, go ahead and get the parent cue, and it'll remind you of ways that you can invest in your kids. And then, and then this display out here uh, that... Uh, Thad and his team put together. It is really uh, great. You've probably noticed it, but maybe you haven't stopped and looked at it. I'd encourage you to take a few minutes. It takes a few minutes to absorb and kind of understand what's happening there, but but uh, it is a really super place for you to get encouragement and equipping as a parent. Uh, so some of the, you know, it takes you a minute to kind of absorb, but you, you look at it, you'll figure it out. Some of those resources are free for you to take. Some of them are just for you to know about so that you can order them on your own. But uh, that's going to be out there for a while, you know, for the, for the duration. It's meant to equip you as parents, but grandparents, feel free to take advantage of those same uh, materials and uh, let us help equip you for the toughest, toughest job in the world. Uh, we're going to start a series here in just a minute, a brand new series, four Sundays called More Blessed, and I'll tell you about that here in a minute. But before I do, I want to I'll let you know a little bit about our good friend and faith family member, Everin Barber. Uh, Priscilla's here this morning and the Barber family, but we just want you to know that uh, Everin passed away yesterday. And uh, he, uh, today would have been his 89th birthday. But many of you know Everin up until just a few months ago. He was here every Sunday, and what a guy. I mean, what an encourager. I, I tell you, when I came, when I come to church on a Sunday morning and I would shake Everin's hand, I felt like I was meeting the pastor. You know, that's how I felt. You know, he put his arm around me. How you doing, son? Great to see you. So happy to have you here, you know. And it's like, yeah, Everin, uh, great. Love him so much and such a giver. I was reminded uh, yesterday that he, he was a member of the Nine Gallon Club in terms of donating blood, and, and uh, was the chief bell ringer for the Salvation Army at Walmart. The, the, in the whole county, no one, no one got better response from people uh, measured in dollars than Everin Barber. And uh, when he's at Walmart, he was taking it in. And, and uh, people were, because he engaged with people and was so happy to see them, and people were happy to participate. And when he wasn't there, it didn't happen. When he was there, it happened. Just a super guy. And so we really love him. We love Priscilla. And uh, we will we'll be praying. So I want you to know that, uh, I want you to encourage you to pray, pray for the family, pray for Dave and Terry and Priscilla, and also... Uh, let you know that that we're on, it looks like, for next Saturday at 2 o'clock. I would say confirm that time before you come, all right? But Saturday at 2 o'clock here at the church in a service in honor of Everin. So we'd love for you to be part of that. Well, today we start a, a brand new study, four Sundays. And this study, these four Sundays are going to make you a happier person. How'd you like that, Right? A happier person. If you put into action the things that we're going to talk about over the next four Sundays, you, your happiness level is going to go up and, and you're going to be, uh, your anxiety level is going to go down. You're going to be more joyful, less stressed, maybe even less cranky. So how much would you pay for that? 
How much would your family pay for that, for you to be less cranky? Uh, People want to know how to be happy. And so when happiness is a subject, people pay attention. Uh, They pay attention, especially when the source of that advice is a credible source. That's why Albert Einstein was in the news. Even though he's been dead for decades, he was in the news a lot uh, this past month because uh, of uh, some interesting information that he shared on the subject of happiness. Now, Albert Einstein, you know who he is, that super smart guy. He's a theoretical physicist. I don't even know what that is, which already makes him smarter than me. You know, a theoretical physicist. All that stuff you never really understood in physics class, well, he, he discovered it. Uh, the, the E equals MC squared, he thought it up. He not only understood the theory of relativity, he's the one who put words to it. You know, that idea that time is relative and gravity slows down your clock and, uh, you know, stuff that you can't even wrap your head around. Well, that's Albert Einstein, super, super smart. So in 1922, he's in Tokyo on his way to receive the Nobel Prize in Physics. And uh, he has a bellboy who's carrying his bags up to his room. When they get to his room, uh, Einstein turned, he, he, didn't have any, he didn't have any cash with him to, pay, uh, to tip the bellboy. I mean, that's how smart Einstein was. He, he, he didn't carry, never carried cash around bellboys, right? So instead, he takes a, a piece of paper, and he writes on that piece of paper. He writes out a tip, like advice, you know, something I've always wanted to do. You know, like, you want a tip? Don't wear those shoes with that shirt, you know, there. Uh, but he takes out this piece of paper and writes out a tip, advice, advice on happiness, He writes out advice on happiness from the smartest man in the world. And he gives that to the bellboy and says, that'll be worth more than any cash I could give you someday. Well, he's a pretty smart guy because he was right. This piece of paper that he wrote on with the letterhead of the hotel at the top uh, went up for auction a couple of weeks ago. That's why he was in the news. This piece of paper with Einstein's advice on happiness went up for auction. The starting bid, $2,000. The ending bid, $1.3 million. So somebody really wanted Einstein's advice on happiness. Now, wouldn't you like to know what he said? You know? Wouldn't you like to know what he said? How much is it worth to you to know Einstein's advice on happiness? Before I tell you what he said, uh, I have a question for you. In a minute, I'm going to share with you Jesus' advice on happiness. Whose do you want to hear more? Whose are you more interested in hearing? Well, uh, if you, you know, I'm sure that whether it's Einstein or whoever it is, the reason you want to hear it is because you want to put it into practice, right? That's the reason that you want to hear this advice, because once you hear it, you're going to put it into practice. Well, I'm going to give you a way to put Jesus' advice into practice before we get to the end of the morning. But I know that you're bugged right now because you just, you, I got to put your mind at ease. You want to know what Einstein's advice uh, is about happiness. And then we'll look at Jesus' advice. So Einstein's advice on happiness is uh, right here, held by the, the curated glove of, of the curator for this auction. And, oh, I'm sorry, it's in German. I'm sorry about that. Uh, what a bummer. Well, actually, here's the translation for you A quiet and modest life brings more joy than a pursuit of success 
bound with constant unrest. That's pretty good. Quiet, modest life, more joy than pursuit of success, bound with constant unrest. Okay, that's pretty good. But if, if I were you, I'd be glad that you didn't pay any money for it because you could pretty much find that in the book of Proverbs, just so that you know. So what did Jesus say about happiness? If you're interested in Einstein's advice, then you're probably really interested in Jesus' advice. And so we're going to take a look. So where do you think you would find Jesus' advice on happiness? Well, in the Bible, right? Okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you credit for that. Where in the Bible do you think you'd find Jesus' advice on happiness? Well, the Gospels, I guess, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four historical accounts we have of Jesus' life and teaching. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But Jesus' advice on happiness, we're going to look at this morning. The only place it's found is not in the Gospels. It's actually found in the book of Acts. So, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, and my heading, the heading that I have at the top of my section in Acts chapter 20 is Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. That's what this big section is in Acts chapter 20. So, as you're opening your Bibles there, we'll, we'll start right in the middle of the chapter here in just a minute. Uh, but Paul had ministered in the city of Ephesus. He'd actually established a church there. And he'd invested several years in his ministry there. He'd, he'd started the church. He'd established it. He'd set up leaders. And he reached a point where he was, he was moving on. He was going on to God's next assignment for him. But he loved this church. He'd established it. He had a lot invested in it. And he, he wanted to show them his love for them. He wanted a, a final word with the leaders before he goes. And that's what Acts chapter 20 contains. Paul's address to the Ephesian elders, the, the spiritual leaders leaders that he was leaving behind. And uh, he actually quotes Jesus' words here in his speech, and we don't have any other place where these words of Jesus are recorded. This is the only place that we have these words of Jesus. We'll talk about how that could have happened in a minute, but first let's read. We're not going to read the whole speech or the whole setup, but we're going to kind of start right in the middle of it, beginning in verse 25. This is Paul talking to the spiritual leaders of this church in Ephesus. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom of God will ever see me again. He's on his way to Jerusalem. You know Paul's story. Things go south once he gets to Jerusalem. I know that none of you are ever going to see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's their role, the overseers. Be shepherds. That's their role. Be shepherds of this church of God, uh, uh, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So, be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. 
remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when He'd said this, He knelt down with all of them and prayed, and they all wept and embraced Him and kissed Him. And what grieved them most was His statement that they would never see His face again. And then they accompanied Him to the ship. So, If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, you've got a page filled with black and white and one sentence that's in red. It's the words of Jesus here in verse uh, 35. And Paul Paul quotes Jesus in in a unique quotation that isn't found anywhere else. Now, how did Paul, where did Paul learn this? How did Paul, when did Paul hear Jesus say this if it isn't in the Gospels? Well, we know from the Gospel of John, John reminds us, hey, you know, these Gospels aren't comprehensive. They don't contain, John said, if, if, uh, if someone was to write down all the things that Jesus taught and said, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. So we already know there's a lot that Jesus said that we don't know. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, the other is that uh, it's, Paul, it's possible that Paul could have uh, received this information in direct revelation from Jesus, because Paul had some experiences of direct revelation from Jesus to him after Jesus' ascension. So that's possible, but I don't think that's even the explanation. I think it's simply kind of John's explanation. There are things that Jesus said and did that aren't recorded in the Gospels, but were passed down orally through Jesus' followers. In the culture that uh, uh, Jesus lived in, uh, people would it was common for people to be able to... Uh, give a speech or some kind of talk and, and people's minds were able to track it and remember it because that's how they passed teaching on. So they had the ability to capture teaching orally and pass it on accurately. And that's how we know much of what Jesus said. For, for a couple of decades, what Jesus said and did was preserved orally exclusively before the four Gospels were written. And so I think that's what Paul has access to. I think he has access here to the oral tradition, uh, the oral teaching of Jesus that was only a couple decades old. And he kind of sets it up that way when he says in verse 35, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. That seems kind of like an introduction, right, to this oral tradition. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, and then here's the statement, it is more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. Now, let's hone in for just a minute on that word blessed. It's a word that means happy and satisfied and content. It's, it means to be joyful. It's that just right state of being that comes from God. So we're going to use the word happiness as kind of a shorthand. Happiness is a little bit of a shorthand uh, term, and it's a little bit, it's not as meaningful as the word blessed, but it certainly includes happiness. It's like happiness plus. Happiness plus. And, and that's the kind of happiness we're talking about. It's an even better happiness than, than what Jesus was talking about, or than what Einstein, I'm sorry, Einstein was talking about when he was talking about happiness. So this is like happiness plus we're talking about. Blessed. And it's one of those upside down things that Jesus taught. We've heard, if you're a Jesus follower, you know that Jesus taught some upside down ways of, of living in the world. That he said the last are the ones who are going to be first. And he who wants to be greatest must be servant of all. And if you want to save your life, the way to do that is to lose it. Well, this is another counterintuitive, upside-down way of living that Jesus taught when he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that's not how we think 
That's not how we're wired. We are wired to get, not to give. We're wired to get and to store and to hoard and to accrue and accumulate. And then once we've accrued and accumulate, we guard and protect it so that nothing happens to it. But Jesus said, if you want, the kind, if you want to be that kind of happy that is content and satisfied, that, that joyful, just right kind, a state of being that comes from God alone, then you've, you've, that comes from giving. Now you might get a certain level of happy by accruing, but you can get more by giving. Happiness comes through generosity. Now you're starting to worry. You know, a few minutes ago we were talking about happiness, and now I think we're talking about money. Well, no, we're not. Jesus is talking about money. Paul is talking about money. And that is the subject here. Paul is talking about how he hasn't coveted anything from these people, even though he had invested so much in them. He, was, he, he hadn't coveted anything from them. And he uses, he talks about money. He says in verse 33, I haven't coveted anyone's gold and silver. So we're talking about money. Then he's talking, he said, also clothing, your possessions. I, I, you know, Paul's, Paul's talking about money. He's talking about possessions. He, he's even talking here about energy and hard work. In verse 35, he says, he, he talks about that, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. So uh, Paul's talking about money, but he's talking about more than money. He's talking about possessions. He's talking about time and energy and emotional investment. So this teaching on happiness, yeah, it does touch on money. It does touch on money and more. Possessions, time and energy, attention. And the truth is, even though that bothers you a little bit, or it might bother you, it's hard to talk about happiness without talking about money. There's a relationship between the two. I mean, you probably already think that one of the drags on your happiness is how much money you have, right? So they're already connected in your mind. Einstein understood that they were connected. His advice, on the one hand, a, more, a modest life, a quiet and modest life on one hand. Or the pursuit of success bound with unrest on the other. I mean, even Einstein says there's, there is a relationship between happiness and money. If there was no relationship between happiness and money, you would not be threatened at all by the fact that I'm talking to you about it. Right? But because you want to, but, but you, you feel motivated to guard, we feel motivated to guard our money because we want to guard our happiness. So it makes sense. We, we, there is this, they are linked. And it makes sense that if Jesus wants to talk about happiness, he might need to talk a little bit about money, possessions, our resource of time and energy. But here's, what you, here's how you can relax, okay? Because uh, even though we're talking about money, and possessions, and time, and energy, and generosity over the next four Sundays. I'm not preaching this to get any of your money. I don't want any of your money. That's not, Trinity, Trinity doesn't need your money. Trinity, Trinity already, already exists on the generosity of the people of this church. That's the only place, that's the only way this ministry is funded anyway. So you are already generous. All right. 
And Trinity's doing fine. We're not preaching this uh, because we have a secret need for money. All right? We're doing fine. Budget. Uh, it's it's a, always a visionary budget every year. We take significant next steps. And this is no different. And, and there's almost always a little bit of catch-up to that. So we're behind. But we're behind in a visionary budget that really, if we can make this budget, we will be able by this time next year to invest in a uh, director of worship and arts. All right? Uh, that, but we're, and we're behind a little bit in that, but we're doing fine. That's not what this is about. So, so when we talk about generosity, uh, I'm not preaching this because Trinity needs your money. This is about you, your relationship with happiness, and how your relationship with happiness is impacted by the mindset you have towards your money and your possessions and your time and your energy. This is for you. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you already want to know what Jesus says. Because as a Jesus follower, you want to follow him. You want to implement his teachings in your life in a wholehearted way. So you are already interested to know what he has to say. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower and you're here this morning because you came as a favor to a friend or you're kind of curious but you're not committed yet. You know, you haven't really decided. Well, this is even for you. The things that we're going to share this morning are for you and they'll be valuable to you uh, even, even as a non-Jesus, even if you haven't bought everything else that Jesus says. The things we're going to talk about next week, we're going to talk about some of the benefits that come through our generosity, and uh, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to experience these benefits. The good news is, maybe by putting this teaching to the test in your life, you'll see that it actually is true, and you'll be uh, motivated to trust Jesus on some other, even more important subjects. So, this is for you, and this is about giving you a new way of thinking, and a new way of living that can make you more blessed. That's my motive, to make you more blessed. But that's not my only motive. Full disclosure, uh, that's not my only motive because here's the beautiful thing about this truth. If you will take this pathway of generosity, if you will take this pathway of, of being more blessed, and you'll adopt this teaching as a, as a Jesus follower or someone who wants to try out his teaching and you'll adopt this as your life philosophy, if you'll be willing to take on this new posture towards money, you know what will happen? You will be more blessed, and more people will be blessed. See, you will be more blessed, and more will be blessed as you use your generosity to help the weak, then your happiness will rise and the happiness of other people will rise. That's a pretty good deal. That's like two birds with one sermon, okay? So that's pretty motivating for me to know that I can help you and I can help the people around you. That more you will be more blessed and more will be blessed. And that's what these next four Sundays are about. And this is not my idea. This is not my advice. This is not my advice. This isn't anybody's clever, clever, clever packaging of truth. This isn't, this isn't anybody's just clever turn of a phrase. This is Jesus' simple, straightforward, upside-down way of teaching and living that says it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Now, Pastor Tim Keller says something interesting about this teaching. He says that this one simple statement, this one simple statement contains everything the Bible teaches about money and possessions and generosity. Everything, it's, it's all embedded in this one truth right here. So here's what makes that worth knowing. If we could just make this one, one mental shift, if we could just make this one mental shift, then we could get on a path of contentment and joy and satisfaction where we are more blessed and more are blessed. If we could just make this one simple shift of mindset, shift of thinking, we could, we would be, we could bring ourselves into alignment with everything the Bible teaches on the whole subject of generosity and money and our possessions. Just this one statement. If we could get this statement embedded in our minds, we would, we would be living according to everything that the Bible teaches us about generosity and money. But it is a definite shift of thinking. I mean, it is definitely a change of mindset. It is a new way of thinking. And it's that part of our spiritual growth that we call the renewing of our minds. Part of being a Jesus follower is learning to Un, uh, kind of undo what we've taught, been taught is true and relearn what we believe is true according to Jesus' teachings in the Bible. So part of being a Jesus follower is learning to think properly about truth and unlearning the, the ways that we were taught that, that do not align with Jesus' teachings and the Bible. And so that is a new way of thinking because we were not raised to think it's better to give than to receive. We, have, uh, born, we are born and raised to live in a state of fear. To live in a state of uh, fear. To fear scarcity. We're raised to fear scarcity. We're raised to fear the future. And we're raised to think that the only way you can guard yourself against the unknowns of the future is by hoarding and being ready. That's the only way you can take care of yourself. That's the only way you'll be taken care of is if you guard what you have. And so we're raised to think this way. We're raised to think, I've got to be ready. I, I, I have to avoid scarcity. Uh, I, I am in charge of what, what happens to me. And, and we're raised this way. So we're raised to be aggressive and to accumulate. We're also, kind of, we live in a culture where we signal our status through our things, through the way we dress and the car we drive and the house we live in. That's how people know what kind of person I am. I want people to know what kind of person I am. I'm put together, you know, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thoughtful and I'm, you know, successful. And so I have to dress this way. I have to drive this kind of car because it's important to signal to other people who I am. It's how our culture has raised us to think. Not only that, but we live in a culture of prosperity, the most prosperous country, the most prosperous time in the history of the world. And we look at other people who are like really in on that. And we're like, wow, I would, I mean, I think I deserve that too. I deserve that level of luxury. I, I deserve to go on that kind of vacation, you know, because I work as hard. I work harder than they do. And all these things, they're all the ways that we think. And we have to unlearn this way of thinking. We have to adopt a new mantra and learn to think in a new way. Because the old way does not bring happiness. It brings a certain level, but it doesn't bring more. It doesn't bring more happiness. It brings really anxiety and fear 
and crabbiness and hypervigilance. But following Jesus, this, if we follow Jesus' teaching here, it brings us joy and contentment and satisfaction and peace and grace and freedom. We're more blessed and more are blessed. But we've got to learn and practice this new way of thinking. So I want to give you an easy way to get it in your head, in your mind. I want to give you a word picture. The word picture is this. Pipes are better than buckets. Pipes are better than buckets. Water flows through a pipe, but it gets stuck in a bucket. A bucket is an accumulator. Uh, It's a limited container. And when when it loses its water, that water's gone. But but water flows through. Pipes are connected to an endless supply. And, and uh, pipes, when we function like pipes, we let water flow through us. And we're functioning the way God has made us. And other people are blessed as a result. And uh, we want to be pipes, not buckets. Because pipes are happier than buckets. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but pipes are happier than buckets. They're happier. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about how this works and how being a pipe actually makes a person happier than being a bucket. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to increase your confidence level next Sunday. I'm going to increase your confidence level that, that this is true, that this crazy mindset will actually make you more blessed. Today, you're just going to have to take Jesus' words for it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we take his word seriously because he is the ultimate giver. We are where we are because this person was the generous giver who said, I didn't come to serve, uh, I didn't come to, to, to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's why we enjoy uh, forgiveness of sins, adoption into God's family, and the promise of eternal life. Every person who's turned to Jesus through faith, like Noe was saying this morning, that we, we, we are able to enjoy that because Jesus gave. He's the ultimate giver. And he gave so that we could receive. And so, yeah, we follow the ultimate giver. This advice makes sense because Jesus lived his life that way. And when we live by this new mindset, and you know what's happening to us? We are modeling the life of Jesus. We are becoming more like Him when we learn to give, not just receive. So it's a new mindset, upside-down way of thinking, against the grain, and only God can accomplish this in us. But if we'll let Him, it will make us more blessed, and more will be blessed. And that's my vision for Trinity, that we would be more blessed and that more will be blessed in this valley and beyond because we learned to be generous, more generous, like the one that we follow. So how do you begin to adopt a new, how do you change your mind? I mean, you're so hardwired, how do you actually change a mindset? Let me just say, before we go on, a change of mindset is really powerful. Just changing the way you think about something changes the way you experience it. And if we could just adopt this new mindset, it would be very powerful. Uh, People who study these things say there are three steps in adopting a new mindset. The first is to learn it. You uh, learn a new point of view. It's better to give than receive. You learn that new point of view. This means money. This means time. This means energy. This means attention. It's better to give these things than it is just to receive them. 
So you learn a new point of view. That's the first step. The next step is that you need to tell someone else. If you really want to adopt a new mindset, you've got to share what you're learning with someone else. It actually, you know, I've seen a lot lately on, on one of the best ways to learn is to try to explain what you've learned to someone else. It's a great learning uh, process. And so if you really want to get this new mindset rooted in you, you should think of maybe a way that you could work this into a conversation with someone. It's better to give than to receive. Maybe you talk to your kids about this idea and you help them be raised with a different mindset than you were raised with. But you find a way, you find an opportunity to explain. So over the next several weeks, look for an opportunity to talk about this idea with someone else. So you learn a new point of view, you tell someone else, and the third, if you really want a new mindset to take root, you've got to give it a try. You've got you to get out there and look for ways to put it to use. And that means, I mean, here's, you're going to have to learn some new patterns. That means you're going to have to be better at recognizing situations that you might be able to help. Recognize, you might, you might have to raise your level of sensitivity. You've got to get it on your radar that, you know, hey, I could look for ways to help someone. And so uh, you have to be able to recognize the situation. Fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit in us to make us aware at times when uh, we might not otherwise be aware. So we're already, as Jesus followers, a little bit ahead of the game. But then you can't just be aware. You've got to actually put it into practice. You've got to, if it's more blessed to give than receive, then you've got to give. In an environment where maybe you would think it should be your turn to receive. Uh, and you've actually got to practice it. But just like, just like this, just like everything else, you know, you've got, to, you've got to put it into practice. And if you're like, I don't think I could do it, I think I'm a bad giver. I'm just a bad giver. I don't think I could do it very well. Well, I'll tell you what I tell my kids all the time. The first step to being good at something, you've heard me say this before, the first step to being good at something is being bad at something. So give badly this week, okay? Give poorly. Give miserly this week. But give something that you wouldn't ordinarily give. I'll give you an opportunity to do that here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> I will. Aren't you happy about that? I'm going to give you an opportunity, and, and not a nickel of it will be right here, all right? Because here's the thing. I, want, I'm, I have something big I want to share with you, but uh, I don't want you to look at this big thing and then strain something by, by giving big. I, I think you need to warm up to it a little bit. So I'm going to give you a warm-up. But here's where I'd like us to get once we're warmed up. I want to share with you a couple things that we could do with generosity. Uh, one is uh, a great project, that, and, and here's what I want to say. You can do this or not do it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm showing you an opportunity to put into practice. Now, this is the one that's going to strain you. I'll give one that's not going to strain you in a minute. But the one that, that we need to warm up to is a ministry that we, a, a kind of a twofold thing, coconuts and kids. So, uh, John and Aaron. I won't use their last name, and I can't use their place of ministry because of the, the unique ministry that they have, but almost everyone here knows John and Aaron. If you don't, there are a couple from within this congregation who are investing their lives translating the Bible for a people group that has no access to the Bible. It's a lifelong career. And they're in a country where in order to stay in that country, you have to uh, have some kind of justification. You've got to bring some kind of contribution to the society. And so John and Aaron, they're educators, and they do social work. So education is social work, and that's how they're able to stay in this country. And as a result, they're able to uh, stay and, and learn the language and begin translating the Scriptures. Well, they partner with another couple. What 
allows this other couple to stay in the country is they help establish small businesses with, uh, in the different villages that they minister in. Well, they're in a village, and uh, they want to establish a small business for this village, raise a level of common grace. And uh, the only natural resource in that village is coconuts. And what they do with their coconuts right now is they pull them off the tree, they whack them in half, and they sell you your coconut. All right, no added value. So the vision here is to uh, start a, a business making coconut oil and selling it and marketing it, a whole marketing plan. So, so it's all very well planned. If you know John and Aaron, you'd know that this, they're, they're partnering with someone who's a good planner, and uh, they want to invest in the equipment and infrastructure to start a coconut oil business. Raise the level of common grace. Allow them to stay in the country and uh, bring saving grace through the translation of the Bible. So, what an awesome project. Um, that's coconuts, kids. Uh, this summer, a, n- a number of high school students from Trinity and uh, uh, sponsors, some sponsors who will go with them from here. We hope about 20 people are planning, maybe even a couple more, uh, planning to go to the Navajo Indian Reservation this summer and invest one whole week of ministry. They're going to be doing construction projects half the day and uh, sports camp with the gospel embedded in it in the other half. And uh, they're going to spend time down there, time to go down there, time to come up, and then also one full week of ministry while they're there. And between these two projects, Coconuts and Kids, it's about $15,000. I mean, now, what you need to know is that these kids are going to, they're, they're going to work. They're going to work for their stuff, you know. They're, they're going to fundraise. If you've seen an ad in your worship folder for Trinity swag, you know, you can buy a Trinity t-shirt, same, same that the young kids are wearing, you know. And... Uh, uh, you can, and that will go. So they're going to do lots of those fundraisers. But even after all their fundraisers, they're going to still have to come up with about $1,000 per kid. And I'd like for us to cut that down to maybe like 500 or even less. To do that, we've got to just give them some money. In addition to hiring them to rake leaves and buying their T-shirts and eating their pasta, you know, or whatever, whatever else you have to do to minister to these kids, uh, it's going to take... Is, you know, some just flat-out giving. And between those two projects, about $15,000. And to be truthful, the bigger one, honestly, the cheap one is the coconuts. It's uh, like $3,000. The big one is uh, getting our students down for a life-changing ministry where they'll be more blessed and uh, more will be blessed. Great opportunity. That's $15,000. Let me just say, those, those, you know, if you want to give to those aren't, they're, they're Connected to our church. If you want to give to something that's not connected to our church, do a box, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, give to Coats for Kids. Patty Smith is leading up Coats for Kids with the Christian Aid Center. Beautiful opportunity. Not at all connected to this church, but a great way to re- raise the level of common grace in our valley. Kids who need coats. If you need to talk to Patty, she's right here. If you don't know her and you can't find her afterwards, we can connect you. Coats for Kids. Chris is going to share in a minute something that we can do this week to help Blue Ridge just a little thing. But I don't want you to hurt anything. I don't want you to pull a giving muscle that you haven't used in a while. So I want to give you one way to try this out and just see this week. So here's a question. I want you to put your hand in the air. How many of you will, uh, at least once a week, will go through a fast food drive-thru or a coffee shop or stand in, not just the drive-thru, but a fast food place or a coffee shop? Put your hand in the air. 
Thank you. That's good. Um, what if, what if all of us, our whole church, in one week just bought the coffee for the person behind us? You've seen people do that. Maybe you've had someone do that for you. I mean, what if we just did that? We're talking about maybe $5 for a big fancy Starbucks drink, maybe a little bit more, you know. Maybe they're going to order two, you know, but they're probably not going to have an office party, you know. That's probably not what you're going to end up paying for. What if you just said, hey, I'd like to buy whatever the person behind me is going to buy. Fast food, McDonald's, Burger King, the Taqueria. And let me know when you're going to go, and I'll pull in behind you. Okay? <laughs> uh, what if? See, the, the thing about Walla Walla that makes it so fun to do ministry here, I think, is that our church, we could create it. We could, we could just this week have people all over saying, hey, someone bought me coffee. Someone bought me coffee, too. What's up with that? And that's it. And then we're practicing, and we walk away more blessed, and more are blessed. And we're warmed up. We're putting into, into practice this new mindset that's going to help us think the way Jesus thinks and live the way Jesus lived. That's what I'd like to ask you to do this week when you go through a drive through you stand in line for coffee. Once this week, pay for the person behind you. And just do that as a way of common grace. Don't make a big deal out of it. And just enjoy knowing that you bumped someone's happiness that day And I'll bet that will impact yours as well, especially when you think, hey, I'm just trying to get better at putting into practice what Jesus taught. Right? So, that's what I'd like to challenge us to do as we adopt this new mindset. Now, I'm talking to a lot of people who are very generous already. But all of us, no matter where you are on the spectrum of generosity, we could all take some next steps. That's what I want to do too. And I've already found, preparing for this, that this new way of thinking about our possession, it just helps. It's freeing. So I want you to uh, experience it too. Let me pray for you. Father, it's just great to be uh, at a place where we can come together. We can, we can think and reflect on the things that Jesus taught. We have access to his teachings through not just oral tradition now, but nice, solid, written words that we all can access. And we're thankful for that, and we're thankful for this teaching of Jesus as lived on through Paul. And uh, it's a change of mindset. We don't live in a culture where this is the practice. But we know that following Jesus is uh, going against the grain. It's an upside-down way of living, and we want to put this into practice in our lives. So I pray that you will free us from this old mindset and help us to remember that pipes are better than buckets, and we want to live as pipes because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Teach us what this means. Show us ways we can apply it, even this week, just to practice it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.